Amen. Amen. I love it. <laughs> Good. I love that song. Because when you just think about the blessings that God has given you, how numerous are they to count when you begin to think about all the things that he does for us and all the things that he continues to do for us? Even when we don't see the bright picture, the sunny side of the, the equation, thank you, Doris, the equation, it's there. It's there. If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me today to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. God calling. God calls people. He called Adam and Eve after the fall. He called to Noah in a violent age. Matter of fact, what does it say in Genesis 6, 5? It says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of the hearts was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And, he, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping things, the fowls of the air. I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so God spoke to Noah. God still calls people today. As unseemingly as that may sound, in the culture that we live in today, God is calling people. God calls people to salvation. We see it in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God calls people to service. You know, when you think about what he said to Paul in, in, in uh, Romans 1.1. 1, 1. Paul, as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel. You know, a lot of times we don't think about God's calling. Paul was a devout Jew who had at first persecuted the Christians became a believer. God used him to spread the gospel throughout the world. You know, God uses people daily. God uses you as an instrument to witness to people on a daily basis, whether it's something you do or something you say. He uses you. But this morning I want to talk to you about who does God call? Who does God call? In Romans, or let's go back to 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry. 
1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the, the things which are mighty and base things of the world and the things which are despised. Hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring forth to not the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him ye are in Christ, who God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That according as it is written, he hath glorious. Let him glory in the Lord. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I pray this morning, God, that you call us. Father, may we answer the call. Lord, may we step forth in righteousness, doing that which you have called us as a body of believers to do this day. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Paul continues to emphasize that the way to receive salvation is so simple that any person who wants it can understand it. Skill does not get a person into God's kingdom, right? No. It, it's, it's simply the confession of your mouth. For those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God is calling us to salvation. In verse 27, he says he's, he called the foolish. What, who, did he, who does the, one of the foolish people you remember in the Bible that, that God called upon, I thought was pretty interesting, was Zacchaeus. You remember that song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he? He sat up on a sycamore tree that Jesus he would see. So Jesus comes by, right? Zacchaeus had lived only for what he could accumulate. There's a lot of people in this world today, even today, that are accumulating all they can for themselves. He was that man who, whose goal in life was to become wealthy. And the way to do that, he had to cheat others to get ahead. Well, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And tax collectors back in that day were not known to be noble, honest, hardworking men. They were... Cheaters, scoundrels, or whatever else you want to call them. That's, they, that's what they did. And so he was doing all he could to get ahead. So he had been called down from the sycamore tree to get saved. Remember, he went up in the sycamore tree. Why? Because he was short. He couldn't oversee the crowd. He couldn't oversee the people. So he couldn't get up to where he could see Jesus. So he climbs up in the sycamore tree. I remember in our trip to Israel, they took us by this one point where they uh, presumed the tree in the culture in the neighborhood, I guess, 
of where this would have taken place, where Jesus would have walked by. And they had this huge sycamore tree with this big fence around it. I guess they don't want people to get up in it. I wanted to tell them Jesus already passed by, you know, I don't know what they're waiting on. You don't get a second swing through unless you're saved and see him come out. And you won't need to get in a tree to see him come. <laughs> Amen? You just look up. But they showed this tree, this huge sycamore tree, one of the biggest I've, they had ever seen in that part of the world. And it was huge. And they talked about how Zacchaeus had got up there so that he could see Jesus. You know, he was short. He had fallen, but haven't we all? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God called foolish Jonah, who tried to run away from him. Many are still trying to run away from God. Many still think that they can run and, 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 and do things that God doesn't see. Many are still trying to run. How foolish can we think that we can run away from God? Ask yourself, am I running from what God is calling me to do? See, this isn't talking about just turning your back and running away from God. God is calling you to do things, but yet you're turning your back and, and running the other way because you don't feel like this is something that you're, you're led to do. God doesn't lead you to do something. God calls you to do something. And you see, when we turn our back and we don't do it, then we're, what we're saying is, is, is disobedient. I'm, I'm not ready to do that. That's not for me to do. Let somebody else do that. He called the foolish to wisdom, which brings eternal life. God calls the weak. He called the prodigal son. The young man who was weak and he was out of control. He pestered his father day in and day out, day after day after day, until finally he was given his inheritance early. And what does he do? He goes off into the world and he squanders it. He wastes it. He was weak. And he gave in to bad company. Many times I believe, church, that we become weak and we get involved in bad company. We get caught up in the hoopla. You know, when I was studying that this week, I was thinking of all the things that have taken place in our country over this past week. And I thought, how many caved into the weak? Who got caught up in the hoopla and thought this was a grand, a grand idea? Bad company brings a bad inheritance. It brings a bad reward. God has called weak people to do mighty things. I remember years ago, and I will emphasize that word, years ago, when I came home and I told Virginia that God was calling me into ministry. I thought, this is a good thing. She's going to be excited. She's going to be like, great. 
No! She said, are you sure? I said, yeah, I'm sure God's calling you. Pray some more. You have no idea what you're getting into. I said, well, but God's talking to me. God's calling me into the ministry. She said, I wasn't going to marry a preacher. I said, you didn't. I wasn't a preacher when we got married. I inspected fruit. Bananas, tomatoes, and let me get just straighten y'all out right now. Tomatoes are a fruit, not a vegetable. Okay? When I went to study at the University of Florida, took some classes with the USDA, I learned that. One of the things, because I had to inspect fruits and vegetables that came from other countries. And so I learned early on that tomatoes are fruit. I said, well, then why do we put fruit in our salad? Because we want a fruit salad. <laughs> See, I, I can make a funny once in a while. See, it's kind of like having your dinner and then putting your vet putting your fruit on top so you get, you, you get your dessert with your salad. D.L. Moody was untrained, and, but, but he brought many to Christ. On January 19th, 1897, on a cold Chicago night, a homeless man, intoxicated, was walking to the pier to the lake to take his own life. He would not get to the pier that night because God had other plans for him. And God was going to accomplish those plans through the rescue mission of a ministry that would lead Mel Trotter to one of the greatest ministries he'd ever have in his whole life. You see, that night a staff member was working a shift outside of the Pacific Garden Rescue Mission. And he saw Mel. And he grabbed him and he took him into the mission. And he began an epic journey. Only they could have been born of God. You see, Mel went in and found help, hope, love, but most of all, salvation. He eventually made his way to Grand Rapids and he started the Grand Rapids Rescue Mission. And along with that ministry, he started 68 other missions to help people who had drug addictions, alcohol addictions. He thanked the Lord that the staff outside on that cold Chicago night took an interest in him. Jesus tells a story about leaving the 99 who were saved to find the one who was lost. He went out to find the one who was lost. 
During times of extreme weather, it is hard to believe that many people are trying to tough it out on the streets. Homelessness is a, is a real problem in our society. And I'm going to tell you, church, it's not going to get any better. If you watch and see the things that are lining up, it's not going to get better. Matter of fact, all these things are told to us in, in, in the book of Revelation, if you take time to read it. All these things that are going to come to pass. You see, Mel passed away in 1940. And years later, the mission was renamed in his honor. And since then, that mission has grown to serve some 600,000 people. Getting them off the streets, getting them into jobs, getting them into affordable housing. You see, that's what a mission is. That's what a call is. Is when, is when you obey what God calls you to do. When you step out and you do what God tells you to do. You see, that's what makes great Christians great Christians. Why does God use nobodies? Well, let me tell you why. Because God doesn't create nobodies. You see, when God uses people, it's showing his power to change lives. Thus, people see the miracles and turn to Christ. God uses miracles to turn the eyes of man. You see, so many times I think we get lost in the contrast of, 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 of our own problems. Well, people can't possibly understand what I'm going through. People can't understand the difficulties that I have faced, the difficulties that I have gone through, the difficulties that are coming ahead of me. People can't understand, but God understands. Why do we know this? Because he's in control. God calls the based and the despised. He called the woman at the well and he reached down to her. And he spoke to her. How did he be able to, how was he able to reach her? Well, when you study the scripture, you see how he was able to reach her. He said, woman, you've been married five times and the man you're with right now is not your husband. Jesus was not a fortune teller. Jesus was reading into her life, was seeing into her life. Christ gave her the living water that would quench her spiritual thirst. God still offers that water to us today. We still have an opportunity to drink of that same well to quench our spiritual thirst. All of us should be thirsty every day. I don't know about you, but I drink plenty every day. I drink plenty of water every day, if not water, iced tea or something. I'm always, you know. But if you don't drink on the word of God, you're going to dry up. We have, to, we have to have that thirst. We have to have Jesus fill our, our, our quench. We have to have Jesus fill us every day. 
What was the result of, of Jesus explaining to this woman all of her issues? She went back to her hometown and she went and told other people that this guy Jesus out here had told her everything about her life. She knew that she had met the Messiah. She knew that she had met Jesus. Paul called the, the harlots, the leopards, to the amazement of the Pharisees. They didn't like Jesus very much. Grabbing up a woman and dragging her out into the street ready to stone her. And what is Jesus? He just gets down and he draws a little word in the sand. And then he looks up at all these people, this angry mob. And he says, let him without sin cast the first stone. What happened? She didn't get one single bruise. Not one single mark. I'm sure what she was hearing were the rocks just dropping to the ground. The mob disbanded. Why? Why did the mob disband? Because let him without sin cast the first stone. Jesus just pointed out to everyone in that mob, they were all in sin. They all had sin in their lives. And those words that were spoken were not words spoken harsh. But they were spoke in truth. And as he gets a hold of the young woman's face and he says, look, where are thine accusers? There was none there. Church, where are your accusers? Who is it that's wanting to cast a stone at you? Jesus doesn't put him in your path. Why? Because he knows where your heart is. He's still calling the outcast to salvation. Why? Because he loves them. God sent his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him, what? Should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the kind of love that Jesus has demonstrated. It's the type of love that God didn't demonstrate to us. Listen, I know that the things that have taken place this week have not, have not left America with a, with a prominent, upstanding picture. If anything, it has set this country back years. But this I remember, church. This you have to remember, church, is that Jesus was not caught off guard by any of this. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And guess what? Jesus is still on the throne. Nobody has dethroned him. He's going to make things right. Why? Because he says in his word he will. We have to trust him. The word of God says to trust no man. But we're to trust him. 
We have faith in him. And church, we have to have faith that God knows what he's doing. And we have to believe that he has got our best at heart. You see, there are people out there, church. There are people out there who feel like they're out of reach of God's love. I'm going to ask a question this morning that's going to require an answer of you. And this is my question to you, and I'm going to, and I'm going to put you on the spot this morning because I'm going to have you to answer. <laughs> so I hope you're in good standing with the Lord. <laughs> How many have received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior? Okay. How many is willing to give Jesus their all? Then guess what? All those people out there who feel like they're out of the reach of God's love, God wants to call you. God has, God has not wants to call you. He has called you to reach out into their lives. He has called you to go into the highways and the byways and, and to compel them to come in. He has called you to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that is dying and hurting. We are called to go. Maybe you think that your sins were too serious to be forgiven, but I'm telling you, if you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, your sins are forgiven. And you know what? There's a world out there that needs to know that their sins can be forgiven. Their lives can be changed. This world that we live in right now can be changed. And I'm telling you what, the United States can be changed with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has called us to a mandate to do just that, to reach out into this world that needs him. So I'm going to just say this this morning. I believe that God is calling you not to just salvation, but to service. To service to all those that you come in contact with. But the ultimate question really comes down to this church. Are you willing to respond to that call? You see, all of us have been called, but are we willing to respond to the call? Because the call is important. Our actions are important. So we have to step out in faith. We have to step out and do what God has called us to do. And that is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying all of you are called to be preachers per se. But God has called you to tell people about him. You know, in the last two years, we've given out probably 3,000 pens from this church somewhere in the neighborhood. Many I've gotten myself, many the church has bought, but we've given out oodles and oodles of pens. And all it simply says is Jesus loves you. The simple truth of the gospel, Jesus loves you. Church, these are words that shouldn't be coming to them from a pen. 
These are words that should be spoken to them from a human who knows what it is to have that same love that you're experiencing from the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I love you. Martha, I love you. Dick, I love you. Ed, I love you. Lynn, thank you. (laughs) What a brain freeze. I love you. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus says he loves you. And you know, that same love that he demonstrates to you, he wants you to demonstrate to the world. But we're afraid to answer the call. It's sad. It's sad. You see, that's the problem. The problem with the church is, the church is not heeding the call. The church is not taking the call. The church is... Well, we hired a pastor. He can do it. No. The call is the responsible of every person who has raised their hand this morning and said, I'm born again. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. That call became yours. That call became all of our responsibility to to tell people about Jesus. God is calling. But we have to answer. I called Doris this morning. I said, Doris, you got I need a phone number. And she said, oh, I said, yes. If you can give me the phone number to heaven. She said, well, I don't call him. I just talk to him. I said, well, could you tell him that somebody turned the heat off? She didn't. Still cold outside. Did you tell him somebody turned the heat off? No. (laughs) He knows. There you go. But listen, church, in all seriousness, God is calling. And I think more than ever before in what we're facing today, more than ever before, we need to let people know that Jesus is in control. That Jesus has called. Jesus is calling them as he's calling us. He's calling them to salvation. He's calling you to go and to to preach that to them. to, To get them to confess their sins to the Lord. To recognize that Jesus Christ died for their sins. As he's died for ours. I really toiled over this message for the last week or so. Even this morning, I said, God, give me something else. I'm not ready for this. You know what his words were to me were? You're not, but I am. Because he calls. Not my call. It's not my call. It's God's call. You see, church, when we say to God, I'm willing to do whatever it is that you're calling me to do, I'm willing to do what you have called me to do, then in obedience, we will move forward in that and we will do exactly what God tells us to do and you will see a change for the kingdom of God like never before. Is God calling you? Is God calling you?
the answer should be yes. The answer to each of us should be yes. Church, but we must respond to the call. We can't respond like a bunch of thugs, but we must respond in love and compassion, humility, and humbleness. That's how we respond. You see, church, I think it's the greatest privilege in the world to be called a Christian. I think it's the greatest, greatest privilege. I know there are people out there mocking us and saying that we're crazy, but I'm telling you, I think it is the ultimate privilege to be called a child of the Most High God. It excites me when people say, oh, you're one of those. Yes, I am. Hallelujah, I'm one of them. That, that should excite you when they say, oh, you're one of them. Yes, I am. And because I am, I don't have to get up in a sycamore tree and watch them, wait for them to pass by. All I have to do is look up because my Redeemer draweth nigh. Church, he's coming. He's coming. And there are people who need to go. And you know what? God's calling you to them. They know their hearts are empty. They know their hearts are missing something. And God is calling you to help show them what's missing. Amen? Oh, I don't know. I think I got to start over. Amen? Oh, whew. Thank you. Well, I thought I, thought maybe I should have. Maybe I should have told God, we got to put this off till next week. I just know that our relationship with the Lord is number one. Our relationship with the Lord is number one above all things. And because of that, we know that when he calls, we do. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you this morning, Lord Jesus, that you have called us here at Victory Fellowship to answer the call to go and to preach, Father, the gospel message to all those that we have come in contact with. Father, all those people that you bring our word, our way, all those hearers that need their hearts filled with the love of Jesus, Lord, call us to speak truth to them. Lord, I'm so thankful this morning that we obey your call. Lord, I don't want to be found disobedient before the Lord because I did not answer the call. Lord, I want to know that I've done everything within my power that you have equipped me to do to reach those for Jesus Christ. And if you're watching this this morning via the internet, I pray that if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, today will be the change of your life because Jesus is calling Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. And I thank you, Father God, for how you're going to continue to respond in these weeks to come. I look forward, Jesus, to hearing the great testimonies of your saints who are going to tell us what they have done because they have answered the call and how you've used them. And we'll give you the praise 
and the glory and the honor for it in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, amen, amen and amen. Let's stand together. Yes, David. In the last three weeks, there's three people that are in the kingdom. Amen. 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 He, they gave their lives to the Lord. He, he, he wanted a little Spanish lady to the church in the washroom the other day. He called me as soon as he was done talking with her. God is good. He will provide the hearers. That's what his word says. Father, I pray again this morning as we leave from here, be that lamp into our feet and that light into our path. Go before us today. Lead us to the hearers that need to hear about your love. In Jesus' name. Amen.